But joining us uh, this morning is Keith Baldry for an extended version. The day before, the calm before the storm. Keith, are you ready? Hey, Bruce, how's it going? I'm doing okay. More importantly, how are you doing? Oh, good. ready for a big night tomorrow night. We're going to have uh, extended coverage on Global BC1 and then uh, Global at 11 o'clock. So lots of races. I think it's one of the more interesting municipal elections um, in quite some time, Bruce, but not only just in Vancouver and Surrey, which has very crowded field when it comes to picking a mayor, but also the council races and other municipalities around the province, uh, in Metro Vancouver and elsewhere. There's, uh, there's a lot of change, it seems to be, in the air, and a lot of incumbents not running and a lot of new faces on the ballot. This is one of the more interesting, and I know, Keith, you've been covering this for years, uh, not saying that you're not a young man, but, uh, you know, you've watched your fair share of, uh, of all different sorts of races, uh, certainly civic races over the, over the years. But this has got to be one of the more interesting ones. Is that fair to say? Oh, I think it's definitely spot on because it's not just one place like Surrey. But it's also, you know, Vancouver, Victoria. So the three of the key cities in the in the province have very interesting mayoral races and council races as well. It's a, I mean, the, the number of names on the Vancouver ballot is staggering. One hundred and thirty-seven names. I mean, the ballot is the size of a, you know, um, you know, small uh, street sign. It's a, it's huge. And because, of course, you've got uh, councillors, mayors, and school board candidates. And also in Vancouver, you've got parks board candidates, which doesn't exist anywhere else. But, you know, 137 names in Vancouver, uh, 84 names on the Surrey ballot, 75 names on the Victoria ballot. It's quite extraordinary. We've never seen anything like that before. And uh, it's a daunting task for voters to get to plow through all these names and figure out who's who. You have to do your homework. There, you look at Vancouver, the, the candidate signs is a uh, smorgasbord of colors. There's no party colors. There's no parties, with the exception of one sort of uh, far-right party. But everyone's on their own, and it's hard for people to figure out who, where they line up with, who is voting for who. And it's uh, now you've got nine parties, I think, nine or ten in Vancouver, a number in Surrey. So it's a little easier to figure out. But a lot of other places as well, these parties, some of these parties have been created literally overnight. And Squamish, there's this party called Squamish Voices that has just appeared yeah. out of nowhere, uh, which seems to be aligned with sort of the, the, the center right. Well, let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of this and uh, go through it and uh, do it in the order of like, we'll go through Vancouver and Surya, some of the other interesting races, and certainly get to the calls from anyone in any of these areas as we look through them. But Let's start with Vancouver, and not just because it's uh, the big city, but also, as you mentioned, so many different candidates running. What is the attraction, Keith, with uh, running for council? I can't understand how you get so many names on a ballot. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, baffling why so many people and why so many different parties have sur- sort of surfaced. Uh, and splitting the vote on both the left and the right. I mean, you've got ABC, Team, NPA, Forward with Kennedy Stewart, the Green Party, One City, COPE. Uh, when I started covering Vancouver City politics years ago, the three parties that dominated everything for, for a long time were COPE, NPA, and for a time, Team. And yeah. that was it. I mean, and they, they fielded slates. And occasionally you get the audit an independent, but that was very rare. And uh, but then it, that was gradually replaced or added to with Vision Vancouver. Uh, but those days now, uh, the parties have splintered on, on both sides of the, the spectrum. 
splits these, and revamps and, uh, yeah. Yeah, and internal fighting, I guess. Yeah, internal fighting. Uh, NTA is certainly beset by internal fighting. Uh, Vision Vancouver is sort of falling apart as well. You've also got a, a large number of independents running. And I wonder going forward whether there may be more of a, a requirement for people to put more skin in the game to put your name on the ballot, that it's just not a freebie. Uh, you've got to perhaps uh, pay a higher fee to be a, an actual candidate. I'm not sure we're going to go there, but I wouldn't be surprised if we do. And what's going to be interesting, Bruce, um, is this the year of change for many people, or is this the year where incumbents continue to hang on? Incumbents usually have a much uh, greater advantage at the municipal election because voter turnout is low, and they have the name recognition, and people who voted for them in the past will likely vote for them again in a time when voter turnout is low. That's usually enough to get reelected. Interesting poll by Leger in Surrey, um, just to, sideways to Surrey for a bit where they showed that uh, 75% of the people who participated in this poll, more than 500 people, wanted change at city council. And that's a, that's a pretty significant finding. I wonder whether that's going to be the same in Vancouver and other municipalities, where perhaps it's sort of kick the bums out sort of mentality and bring in someone new. So I think there's probably a lot of nervous incumbents right now looking forward to tomorrow. It could be a mood. It could be a theme that's carried right through uh, the province, for that matter. Uh, let's take a look at the top job in Vancouver. You mentioned uh, the incumbents. Uh, let's talk about Kennedy Stewart. What is he pinning his hopes on? Uh, for me, it seems like um, this has been a record that's been questioned uh, throughout the years uh, of him uh, sitting in the big chair. Um, but he is proud of his record, isn't he? He is. Um, but I think a couple of circumstances have caught him at the wrong time, and that's the emergence of street crime as a, as a top-of-mind issue for voters. His chief opponent is Ken Sim uh, from ABC, and he has seized upon the crime issue early on. And his good fortune, crime right now, is really dominating the news coverage, and it's random street crime. So Sims promised to hire 100 police officers and such, uh, I think, is starting, probably is going to resonate with people, at least catch people's attention, unlike before. And Stewart, because he's now, when he was first elected, he had no track record. There was no baggage. Uh, it was just his fresh face. Okay, sure. He narrowly beat Ken Sim last time. Now he's got a track record. And part of that track record was for several years downplaying the crime issue, saying Vancouver is a perfectly safe place to live. And that image, I think, has been embedded with the voters that there's no story here. And, well, there is a story here. And we're seeing it play out on the nightly, on global and other stations on a nightly basis of just really disturbing examples and videos of people being attacked randomly on the streets of Vancouver. And so if you're perceived to be soft on crime, and Stewart's trying to dispel that image, this is the worst possible time to have that image, which is why I think the momentum right now favors Ken Sim. One would argue that uh, if you are not going to win when it comes to tough on crime because you have a record that says otherwise, uh, and a series of news stories that say otherwise, maybe you have to shift, maybe, maybe you have to pivot to other issues uh, perhaps housing or something along those lines. Uh, Kennedy Stewart uh, did talk a little bit about that one. Here's what he had to say. We know that houses can't get built unless they're approved, and so that is the main job that we're doing at the city. Uh, by increasing approvals, we're enabling uh, the construction. Everybody should be able to live in every part of the city. Is he right? Is this going to be the issue that helps him out? I don't, you know... I think over the years, housing just didn't pop up as an issue today. 
this has been an issue. Housing affordability or lack of affordability has been an issue. It goes back, you know, 10 years. And no government of any stripe, at any ideology, at any level has come up with the magic solution to fix the housing crisis. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're NDP, Liberal, or Kennedy Stewart, or Doug McCallum. It's it's a, been a, a hard nut to crack. And I think voters are probably skeptical of any politician right now promising a solution to the housing crisis because they've heard that before. It hasn't worked. No one's found the magic solution. So promising people that you've got the solution for housing right now, I don't think that really um, connects with voters. It may have connected 10 years ago, but not right now after they've been through a series of measures that really haven't really dented the market in any significant way. I mean, to go from a $2 million house to a $1.5 million house doesn't make it that much more affordable for the average person. The, they, markets, the markets are doing this. The interest rates are, are having an impact. But I don't think politicians are. And I don't think that's an issue that's going to get it over the finish line. Yeah, to your point there, Keith, I think Ken Sims, uh, Ken Sim has also identified this and uh, is uh, seeing an opportunity to, you know, uh, poke some uh, or find some fault with Kennedy Stewart's record when it comes to this. Yeah, I think it's pretty dis- uh, disappointing and disingenuous of the mayor uh, to come out swinging after three years and ten months being mayor, uh, to come out swinging on crime and safety in our city. Um, instead of taking responsibility for these issues, he decided to throw the province and the federal government under the bus. And a lot of these issues, um, you know, as mayor, he should be dealing with. I'm sorry, he's talking about uh, crime and safety there, but also housing. And uh, again, it gets back to that record, doesn't it? Well, again, he didn't have a record when he was first elected. He had been an MP in Ottawa, uh, far away, uh, didn't really have a, a connection with Vancouver in, in terms of any issues, and now he does. And that's the price that comes with being an incumbent. You have a tracker you, you have to defend for better or worse. And there's been a number of problems that have piled up on Vancouver's plate. You know, it didn't help to be hit by the pandemic. And I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, Kennedy Stewart holding those news conferences, demanding Victoria, the provincial government, bail out Vancouver when no other mayor was doing that. And I think it, it didn't, certainly didn't go over well with the B.C. provincial government, even though he's got the endorsement of a couple of um, cabinet ministers, notably David Eby, which is puzzling why Eby would get involved in this thing. Uh, there's no love lost between Kennedy Stewart and the NDP over here. And I think uh, it's an example of having a track record that you have to defend now for better or worse. And that's a disadvantage for Kennedy Stewart. And it's a plus for Ken Sim because he doesn't have a track record that he has to defend. Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith talking with Keith Baldry on an extended version of Baldry's Beat. Of course, of course uh, Keith is the Global News Legislative Bureau Chief. And we're talking about uh, some of the key races and the interesting ones. Vancouver we talked about, but also there's Surrey. And Surrey is uh, a race that can get nasty at times. Uh, In fact, Doug McCallum being called out by many of his opponents over a very unusual uh, term, his first term uh, for this round of uh, him being mayor. Uh, Brenda Locke uh, is also going after McCallum's legal fees if she wins. This in the case of uh, his uh, allegations and uh, the public mischief uh, allegations around what he claimed was being run over, his foot run over by a car in South Surrey. This is what uh, Brenda Locke had to say. When I'm elected, I'm going to instruct staff to go after every nickel of that money. McCallum better be ready for that because 
he has probably one of the most expensive lawyers in all of Canada doing this work for him. The public are incensed about him taking that money from, from citizens to pay for his legal fees. End of October, not October 15th. Uh, it still is something hanging over uh, Doug McCallum, isn't it, Keith Baldry? Oh, yeah. This is, again, this is public mischief. It's not mischief. Mischief is, you know, breaking a window or spray painting something. Public mischief is misleading the police or the criminal justice system. Uh, and Brenda Locke's threat, and right now, according to this Leger poll, she's the candidate to beat. Uh, she had a significant lead over uh, over Doug McCallum and the others. Uh, and if she follows through on her promise, this could prove to be a very expensive election loss for Mr. McCallum. McCallum. So, again, legal fees are very expensive. Um, and it's uh, it's going to be interesting if that's one of the prices he pays for losing the election. And, of course, Brenda Locke is probably best known right now for her allegiance with the Keep the RCMP mm-hmm. in Surrey folks uh, and uh, and promises to uh, to get rid of any plans to switch over to a uh, city or a municipal police force. Is that the number one issue in Surrey? I think it's one of them. Uh, I don't maybe not be the big issue it was say a year ago, but it still has likely ranks uh, near the top of mind issues for for people. But I still think crime and and housing is always an issue. But as I said in the last segment, I just don't think politicians are acquitted any any um, uh, credibility when it comes to promises to magically fix the housing system. But street crime, and that ties right to our, the RCMP in Surrey. I think she benefits from that. I think Locke has been able to carve out a higher public profile by taking on McCallum and taking on the policing issue more so than any other council candidate. And as a result, uh, I think if you ask most people in Surrey who the mayoral candidates are, they're probably going to name McClellan and Locke more than any others, even though, you know, former MP MLA Gordy Hogue is running. Right. Uh, NDP MLA Jeannie Sims is running. Uh, former MP or MP uh, Suk Dollywall is running, along with, I think, three others that most people have probably never heard of. But I think Locke and McClellan probably have the, the, the highest profile uh, to put in front of the electorate. But again... So much depends on the voter turnout. McClellan won last time with a very low percentage during a very low turnout. It's conceivable that someone could win this election to become mayor, which is 25% of the vote, which would be very low, but it could be more than the other candidates because there's such a crowded field. Are you surprised, uh, you mentioned like Gordy Hogue, uh, who was a big name for years, uh, especially in the White Rock and South Surrey area, but virtually invisible this time around? Yeah, it's it's hard to carve out um, some attention and profile when you've got such a crowded field. Uh, five candidates, all of whom have had elected experience at one level or another. Locke's been a councillor. She's been an MLA. McClellan's had a couple times uh, k- kicks at the can as mayor. Uh, Hogue's been an MP and an MLA and a mayor of White Rock. Um, Dollywall's been an MP and Ginny Sims been an MLA and a uh, president of the BC Teachers Federation. So. We've got a crowded field like that. In terms of getting media attention, when media space right now is limited compared to what it used to be, it's hard to get all five voices in the same news story. Well, Keith Baldry is with us for an extended version today of Baldry's Beat, Keith being the Global News Legislative Bureau Chief. And Keith, uh, we had been talking about Vancouver and Surrey, but of course, around the province, we have so many other interesting races. What are some of the key ones that stand out for you? Well, right where I am right now, Victoria. Uh, so we've got this extraordinary situation with where every councillor, with the exception of one, decided not to seek re-election. So we're going to have a completely rookie council, other than Ben Isaac, who's a fairly left-wing 
uh, incumbent veteran likely top the polls as he usually does but the other seven who will join him are all going to be first timers and it's going to be an interesting city hall in victoria and also the mayor uh, races uh between two former councillors it seems um and no one there's the business community can, uh, candidate and sort of the left-leaning uh, candidates and victoria is very much an ndp town i call it an ndp colony uh, because it's so strong over here so they usually carry the day at city hall We'll see if that happens. So Victoria's another, I, I would think the big three of Vancouver, Surrey, and, and Victoria when it comes to mayor and council. But also, interesting, Bruce, a three-way fight for mayor in, in U.S. Minister to replace right. Jonathan Cote, who was a key mayor when it comes to TransLink and, and, and such, the mayor's council. Um, so you've got three credible candidates there squaring off against each other. Uh, you've also, in West Vancouver, Marianne Booth is facing a challenge from Mark Sager, who she beat last time, a former mayor as well. So West Vancouver is one to keep an eye on. I think um, uh, outside of Metro, you've got places like uh, Squamish, which has a very interesting race where you've got this party, Squamish Voices, that suddenly appeared. appears linked to the anti-environmental uh, side of things. You've got the LNG plant wood fiber up there, which seems to have crept into this race as, as an election issue. So that's one to keep an eye on as well. There seems to be a bit of a nasty fight for mayor in Powell River, where uh, it's, uh, again, a number of candidates where things have gotten a little personal there. Um, and again, it's, it's interesting. I think the level of interest in this municipal election, I think, is going to be high. But whether the voter turnout will be high remains something else. And as we talked off the top, 137 names on the ballot in Vancouver. Is that going to be a turnoff to people to actually bother to fill out 10, 10 councillors and a mayor? Or do people just going to vote for mayor and say, that's enough of it? I'm not, I'm not going to spend much time wading through this thing. So it's fascinating uh, on that level. And we'll get to some of your calls. Love to hear what you have to say about uh, the race and uh, why you're voting, who you're voting for in your area. You can call us at 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898. We're talking with Keith Baldry this morning. Keith, I know a lot is being uh, made of the advanced voting and some of the uh, high turnout, especially in some of the races around the lower mainland. Do you put a lot into that in uh, thinking whether it's going to be uh, a high turnout overall? Well, I think if there's a high advance vote, well, it's hard to say. I mean, a high advance vote is the committed voter. You know, they've, they've done their civic duty and they're not going to line up on Saturday. Uh, I live across from the street from a polling station elementary school. It can frequently be a long lineup. And like, if you're like me, who hates lining up for anything, uh, that can be a turnoff to voters, which is why a lot of people vote in the advance poll. So I don't think you can read it one way or another. I hope it's a high turnout. I hope it's not a low turnout because it's hard to say I anyone's mean, got a, a strong mandate if only 30% of the population actually show up to vote. I have always uh, thought, and I haven't put myself a lot of uh, credence into the uh, voter, the advance polls being any indication. Mm-hmm. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but sometimes if you are... A well-organized campaign, you will tell all your workers and all your supporters, please vote in the advance poll, free yourself up for, you know, election day and uh, and working in the final hours. Oh, you know, in the last couple of provincial elections, the NDP has made that at the provincial level. 
that has been a top priority for them, which is why the advanced poll in the ele- provincial election the last couple of times has been very high because that's been a, a real priority push by political parties and the Liberals as well to get their voters out to vote ahead of time to ensure you're not pulling out all the stops on election day and frantically trying to get people to the polls. You want as many people to have those ballots in the ballot box well ahead of election day. I'm not sure provincial of municipal parties or candidates are that as well organized. And particularly, you look at Vancouver with nine pol- political parties. Uh, there's only so many political organizers out there, and I just think uh, that sort of, and same with Surrey with n- numerous parties. I'm not sure they have the same infrastructure because there's so many parties, uh, almost of equal weight, than you do at the provincial or federal level when you've got a two or three heavyweights and all the organizers work for, for those, and it's much easier to get the advance vote out at more senior levels of government than, than uh, uh, municipal. Well, let's talk with uh, some of our callers and go to Doug in Langley. Doug, are you in Langley Township or Langley City? I'm actually in the city, but I'm from the township uh, formerly. Uh, so I um, just have been listening to all your coverage. and um, I mean, it's local for me, but Rich Coleman is running for mayor of the township. And it's just surprising that nobody has even mentioned it this morning on the radio, anyway, that I've been listening to. But... It is interesting. I've seen the signs, and uh, I haven't seen much outside of the signs, but certainly there are around Langley a lot of uh, uh, the uh, Rich Coleman signs. Uh, Of course, uh, high profile with the past Christy Clark government. Keith, what, uh, what have you heard about this? Yeah, well, good for Doug for raising that. I was actually about to mention Langley Township because Coleman, of course, is uh, is a high-profile figure. He's running against uh, Eric Woodward, Blair Whitmarsh, and Michelle Sparrow. Eric Woodward was going to be an NDP candidate last time but dropped out. There has been a bit of some nasty stuff in social media out there in this campaign. This campaign seems to be a little uh, rough right now, uh, at least when it comes to Facebook postings and such. Uh, but Coleman's certainly high-profile. It's interesting uh, Bruce, there's a number of former uh, liberal MLAs who are running. Rich Coleman's running in Langley Township. Richard Lee is running for council in Burnaby. Cash Heed, who's been a frequent guest on this show, former Solicitor General, he's running for council in Richmond. And Simon Gibson, who is a sort of a very uh, anonymous backbencher, is uh, running for council as well in, uh, I believe, Abbotsford. Um, so uh, it, it's interesting that a number of MLAs just refuse to get out of the politics game. They want to keep going just at a lower a lower level. So it's going to be interesting if Coleman can win there. If he does, uh, Rich Coleman will be a formidable presence on the mayor's council. Um, he's got a lot of experience um, as a minister. He knows what how, what levers to pull and buttons to push. And we'll see if he can beat what appears to be his main challenger in Eric Woodward. But again, that seems to be a rougher campaign than some other places. Certainly, Keith, interesting to see. Uh, you mentioned Simon Gibson, and I know Simon Gibson, before he got into provincial politics, was a longtime member of Matsqui Council, uh, councillor there. And of course, uh, Matsqui was amalgamated and turned into Abbotsford later on. So he's going backwards. And I would almost think that uh, you mentioned all these different names that have gone from provincial politics into municipal politics. Isn't that a downgrade in jobs? It is and it isn't. I mean, um, Gibson, Simon Gibson, for example, is a backbencher in the government. Backbenchers only have so much power. Um, You could be argued at your local level, a city councillor might have more power. 
if you can get on the council, depending if you've got the majority or not. Rich Coleman, different situation. I mean, he was deputy premier. He was a senior cabinet minister. Now that is going backwards to become mayor. But on the other hand, if you're mayor, um, that's still a significant role. Um, He he will have significant influence on the mayor's council, uh, more so than if he was just perhaps a city uh, councillor. The other thing, Bruce, I'll just briefly mention, the other thing that's happening to keep an eye out tomorrow, there's this group called Terrence Voice of uh, BC. This is an organization that's fairly right-wing, anti-SOGI, wants to take back, this is, these are all school board candidates, and they're running 28 candidates in about 8 to 10 school districts to try to get influence at that level, uh, loosely linked to the People's Party of Canada, mm. um, very much uh, anti what's going on in the school system right now, wants to, very conservative, and it'll be interesting if they get a toehold in some of these school districts. We haven't talked about school boards, no. but you've got four, they're running four candidates in Delta, uh, Kelowna, Surrey, Coquitlam, Vernon, Chilliwack, um, and uh, I think Mission. So it's uh, it's interesting if they can get a, a toehold. That seems others have said this. The People's Party of Canada has struck out completely at the federal level. It's tough to get a seat at the federal level, and perhaps it's easier they think to get a toehold in the political scene by going into a more junior level of government where the turnout is much lower. And so even though you're coming from the fringe, it's easier to gain entry to uh, a council, a school board, when school board turnout is particularly low in some of these communities. That's another thing to keep an eye on tomorrow. Absolutely. That's uh, not a small number when you're talking 8 to 10. I didn't realize it was that many. Uh, Global News Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry, Baldry's Beat, we're talking the day before the election. Also taking your calls like ones from Robin in Vancouver. Robin, uh, are you voting tomorrow? I've uh, I already voted, but this brought me to thinking. Why don't we go back to to um, considering a ward system where you you vote for your area representative? Yeah, certainly done in other cities. Uh, Toronto comes to mind, of yeah. course. Uh, Keith, what about that? As Robin mentions, it comes up for debate every now and then. It was it was quite uh, I think more elevated in profile in terms of debate back in the 80s. You don't hear people talking about it as much anymore. There's there's not as much of a push on for award system, which would really have, you know, neighborhood representation rather than at-large city representation. Uh, perhaps as a result of what we're seeing with some of the development uh, arguments in Vancouver, where you've got certain neighborhoods are about to undergo some significant, potentially significant developments within their borders, whether that, that push will come on from residents affected the most by some of these massive developments to have more of a ward system. But, you know, I've heard this debate off and on for years. I'm not sure it's going to be resolved anytime soon. And it's Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith on the last day of the civic election campaigns because it is voting day, decision day tomorrow. We're talking with Keith Baldry, Global News Legislative Bureau Chief. Baldry's beat an extended version on this day before. Let's get right to some of the calls, though. People who have been patiently hanging in there like Bev and Langley. Bev, uh, you're voting tomorrow? Uh, I 
I voted last week out here at the advanced Another school in one. Langley. But my question is, uh, regarding trying to recoup uh, Doug McCallum's legal fees, is there any criteria like elected, non-elected, or innocent versus guilty or whatever? Or, you know, is there some way they can do that if they wish to, or are they kind of stuck with it? Great question, uh, Bev and Langley. Uh, Doug McCallum, uh, is there anything that can happen if he is found guilty? Uh, good question. I think it remains to be seen also if Brenda Locke becomes mayor. Um, the guilty verdict doesn't necessarily remove your indemnification um, that are covered by taxpayers. So I think it can vary at the municipal level from the provincial level, so I'm not entirely sure about that. But Brenda Locke hasn't explained either exactly how she would recoup the legal fees, even if there's a uh, – and she doesn't seem to have differentiated between a guilty and non-guilty situation. She just wants the fees paid, period, um, no matter what the outcome of the uh, of the verdict. Thanks for the call, Bev. Uh, Richard in Vancouver. How are you, Richard? Good afternoon. Or is it still morning? It's been a long day. <laughs> Anyways, hey, um, I'm I'm a lifetime resident of Vancouver, and I'm going to be fo- voting for Colleen Hardwick and the team party because I think it's the only common sense, practical solution here in Vancouver. And I, um, you know, I'd like to also address the, the issue about the gentleman that called in about wards because we did have a vote in Vancouver about wards back in those days and it passed with about a 57 percent uh percentage approval rate isn't it funny that we can change the constitution of our country with a 50 percent plus one vote but we can't change our system of government in vancouver with a fifth you know 57 percent vote appreciate that richard uh keith what are your thoughts well, it's usually you need a higher percentage to change something fundamental like that. I think it's two thirds uh, requirement. Uh, this may surface again as a ballot question. I don't, I don't see that happening anytime soon. But I think the massive amount of development that's about to occur in Vancouver may change that because that's a, that's a potential game changer when we're talking about all those towers and those huge developments slated for Jericho lands, for example. Uh, that may get people talking about a different way of voting. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate the call, Barry and Langley. Hey guys, uh, Keith, I got a question for you. So I'm just taking it back to the TOL for a second with Rich Coleman. He he put on his disclosure for properties just two words, blind trust. And I'm wondering what your take on that is, uh, given that the ALC no longer allow individual landowners to petition them. You need to go through your municipality. So I'm just wondering, what's the you know what is what is like what, what's his responsibility for disclosure on that? Yeah, so the blind trust, I assume that he's applying the same standard of disclosure that applies at the provincial level uh, that he's applying to the municipal level. So it's routine over here for MLAs to have their possessions in a blind trust where they don't know what's going on in there, and they can say, that removes me from conflict. But you mentioned ALC, which, of course, is a big issue in Langley, uh, where there's a lot of ALR land. Uh, That could be an issue going forward. Interesting uh, situation there. Of course, uh, he's also a business operator. I think he has a uh, a lube shop that is in his wife's name, if I'm not mistaken, right there at 200th and uh, 64th. Um, thank you very much for the call, Barry. And Keith, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, do you expect a late night in uh, some of these elections, Keith? Actually, you know, we were on the air till I think, 1.30 last time in 2018 because the race between Kennedy, Sim, uh, Kennedy Stewart and Ken Sim was so close. I'm not anticipating as late a night this time. I think the races aren't going to be as close as they were in the major cities as they were last time.